to the Batmobile. Let's go. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger. Ready to move out. Holy smokes, Batman. It's Gaggle of Geeks on 2SER. Ah, the sweet sounds of geese. It is Gaggle of Geeks time here on 2SER, the podcast. I'm Sophie Lai. I'm Tali Olatia. But Tali, some exciting news this week. One of your favourite musicals and probably half the world's favourite musical, even though a lot of people have never, ever seen it. Hamilton. I am so excited for this. So the news this week that Hamilton is coming to Australia, more specifically Sydney, in 2021. Oh, my goodness. I literally... Again, I found this out when I was at work yesterday and I screamed across the office. It was like <laughs> looking at the computer, saw the breaking news alert and I screamed and everyone turned around. They're like, what? And I've got Hamilton. And the thing is, is like Hamilton is this phenomenal music musical about one of the founding forefathers of America, Alexander Hamilton. And it has created like this cult following. Like I personally have never seen the musical because <laughs> tickets are like heads tape. And yet this is the like feverishly levels of excitement that I get when people are talking about this musical. But what's funny about it is you get people who have either never seen it but absolutely are obsessed with it and desperately want to go you get people who have no idea about what it is and then some people who are kind of in the middle they've got a little bit of the hype but you know they wouldn't get into why you would scream it across the office Mm. so when I did scream it yesterday you could very quickly see all the different people like one of my colleagues surprisingly enough the one I sing at from across the room and we just make up impromptu musicals she very excited she also lost her mind where other people were like oh Okay. (laughs) Thanks, guys. This is not the excitement that I wanted you to have, but oh my goodness. So it's coming to Sydney in 2021, which is not next year, but the year after. And it will be the biggest thing ever because this musical, when I say that it has a cult following, it came out in Broadway in 2015. But the title song, Alexander Hamilton, which like this musical was written by Lin-Manuel Miranda, the title song of the musical was actually performed at the White House back in 2009. So that's a good six years before it even hit Broadway because that's how amazing this musical is. It went to the 2016 Tony Awards and literally broke records. I think they had 16 nominations and won 11 awards. It was obviously winner of Best Musical for 2016. Like then President Barack Obama and Michelle Obama actually introduced the musical for the, hey, this musical is up for contention. Mm. It's literally the greatest musical in the history of the world. (laughs) It holds the record for the fastest rap performed in Broadway because that's Lin-Manuel Miranda's style is he like shoves like a whole lot of words into his things and the way that he can twist his phrases is amazing. So it does hold the record. They do, um, in the song Guns and Ships, the Mm. character that is um, Lafayette, which is played by David Diggs, raps 19 words in three three seconds. So what? that's six words, like over six words per second. How? It is 
huge. He well, he's obviously very fast, but even when he did this interview with Jimmy Fallon, and it was like, a, oh no, that's like medium fast pace, but it's like Lafayette. I'm taking this horse by the reins, wrecking red cause brother with blood stains, Lafayette, and I'm never going to stop, going to make a drop, burn them up, and scatter their remains. Like I obviously do it a little bit slower, but it's like that that second bit there where he just does it <laughs> so incredibly fast. It is insane. And the other amazing thing about Hamilton, which is what I like. You can obviously tell I'm excited about this. You I'm were so excited when I was like, did you see this? And you were like, ah! I was like, oh, I, I got to scream <laughs> yeah. like interstate. This is, <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is very, very true. But I'm just very nervous as to who they will cast, like who will be the Australian cast that they put into Hamilton because Hamilton, obviously the full founding, like the story of um, – American history is, mm. let's be honest, very white. So Hamilton was really groundbreaking in the sense that they had like diverse actors playing these roles of these people who were who were white. So Alexander Hamilton in like the first American iteration was played by Lin Manuel Miranda, who is Puerto Rican. Mm. Um, Alexander Hamilton was not. You have a lot of African American characters. Um, actors playing roles that like Thomas Jefferson, obviously he was white, but you being played by an African American. So in that sense it's quite groundbreaking in the diversity. And Lin Manuel Miranda, like when he was first promoting Hamilton, said it was like it was America's story of the past, but it's presented now by America's future. So it is showing that diversity in its casting. So it will be really interesting to see who they cast in the Australian version because it also went to London, I think, in 2017, 2018. And so then they had a whole lot of British actors playing the roles. And again, it was a very diverse cast. So, yeah, there is just a who will play these huge characters in Australia because, as I said, it like the rapping takes a lot of talent. Like yeah. it's not a traditional musical theatre where it's like hit your high notes, sing your melodies and stuff like that. You have to be on it and you have to be like a really good rapper and fast. And I'm not saying that the Australian hip-hop scene is terrible. I'm just saying like... It's a very different style. Huge names. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's an interesting thing. Like, personally, I think Briggs would be amazing. But the problem is, is like, I think Briggs would be amazing in so many different roles. And I doubt he wants to do like a one-man <laughs> show. I think if he was Hercules Mulligan, he would be just outstanding. Amazing. But I mean, he's probably got commitments and obviously I'm not a casting agent, so no. I have absolutely no say but, in that. But I will be so excited because this musical literally, mm. it's so funny because it is obviously about American history and it's something that unless you're like a huge history nerd or you like really paid attention when you were back in high school, most people just don't, they don't know this stuff and stuff like that. So when Hamilton came out, like teachers loved it. A lot of people learnt a lot about American history through this musical. In fact, just before it was released or around the time it was released, there was a conversation because Alexander Hamilton, his face is on the $10 note in America. Right. And they were having conversations whether, whether they should change it out with someone else. Like, do you know, they often have conversations when it comes to figureheads on money yeah. that go, oh, should we swap it out with someone else? And so it was really looking like Alexander Hamilton's face would be taken off this $10 note. And then the musical happened and then everyone was like, 
no, Hamilton's the most important person ever. You must keep him on our money. He's so big. So, so very quickly just changed the zeitgeist of like history and American history being cool. And the fact that Lin-Manuel Miranda was able to include that rap and that hip-hop and that kind of, you know, today feel to make it seem like, well, hey, what these kids were doing was actually insane and like in like a really, really good way. It created this spark for going, you know, history's cool. So then mm. you've got this like generation now who just know a lot about American history thanks to this musical. Like, yes, I'm excited that Hamilton's coming to Australia. Of course I am. But I also think like why not have a Hamilton-esque musical about Australian history as well? Like you see how popular this is. Of course, you're going to have to get a good yeah. writer and I'm pretty surely Manuel Miranda can now charge quite a bucket load to do these kind I of things. I am sure but, he would. <laughs> yeah, but let's just be honest. I'm already planning how I can move back to Sydney in 2021, somehow work at the Lyric Theatre because that's where it will be. Yes. And then just go there every day slash, you know, casting for the musical is set to happen at the end of the year. So maybe if I just learn how to rap slash sing slash dance slash act slash convince them that I could do that, maybe maybe I could just be in Hamilton. Maybe I could be an extra. Maybe. No, I can't dance. Look, there are so many things, but I'm just, I'm just very excited. You need to know to dance. Yes. Too excited, perhaps. It's fine. You, you, you'll find a way. You'll find a way. Um, I will. I just find it very interesting though as well that there was literally a bidding war um for Sydney yeah. to get it and it, in the end it was premier Gladys Berry Jiklian that got Sydney over the line and at the same time and it was like you know it'll bring culture to the city all of this stuff but also at the same time you're like how when literally your government has shut down half the culture in this city <laughs> it is like mind-boggling yeah. and now it's at the Lyric Theatre which is at the Star Casino which is the only place that yeah is allowed to open late and it's like this is really weird <laughs> so many things going on and also they would have paid quite a pretty penny because in the press release mm. too they were very much saying like it's so great that we're bringing Hamilton to Asia and the Pacific which means it wasn't like just no. Hamilton's coming to Australia and then it's going to be going to New Zealand like it's not that one of thing it's like Hamilton is coming to one of the places in the Asia Pacific and you guys are going to have to vote for it well that's what it made it sound like because they were really doing the Asia Pacific thing but but it was also too obviously now living in Melbourne and everyone's like, Melbourne got Harry Potter, Melbourne got Harry Potter and it's now Sydney's going, yeah, well, we have Hamilton. So I feel like... But you Melbourne got Harry was- Potter for a reason because they couldn't find a theatre yeah. that could deal with the modifications yep, that to stage to Harry Potter. Like yeah. no- nowhere in Sydney could do it. So I wonder what is the what Hamilton will be like in Sydney considering yeah. that stage itself doesn't look like it's quite privy to many alterations. Yeah, I think, well, this is, and this is so hard having not seen Hamilton the musical, yeah. but having seen like performances at, you know, the Tonys where they make it seem like a real life thing, it doesn't look as stage heavy. Like, right. of course it still will be because it's a musical, mm. but from my friends who have gone to see Harry Potter, and I know that you did on the weekend, so I, I also want to review from you, um, is that the Harry Potter, there was a lot of magic going on. So there was a lot more staging stuff that needed to be happening for those like magic like illusions to happen on the stage whereas I think from my understanding of the clips that I have seen of the musical (laughs) but not actually the musical I think it is more your kind of stock standard quick change scenes as opposed to let's create these huge illusions 
they're in let's have to build sets or build hidden you yeah. know hidden things to do set stuff i don't know a lot about staging but yeah <laughs> it's like it's going to be a more straightforward I mean, perhaps book of mormon was staged at the lyric theater as well and it was yep. done great like yeah enjoy the living daylights out of that and that had quite yep. a few scene changes so you know what Wait and see if we can get yeah, through the bloody I'm... pre-sale, that is, to get Hamilton tickets. Oh, my God. This is why This is why I've decided, like, it's not just enough that I live in Melbourne and I go to Sydney and visit it. I just feel like I have to constantly be on standby, but at the drop of a hat, I'm like, yes, I will go see Hamilton. This is very important. We've I got need a, to have that option. Yeah, we've got a year and a half. I'm sure tickets will be released sometime next year because I oh. got in the pre-sale for Harry Potter um, yeah. And as I was like looking, they were like, you were like 20,000th in the queue. And I was like, <laughs> wow. And I was like, well, I'm from right. Sydney. I, it's not like I can go over, like take yeah. a couple of days off. I'd rather just get the weekend and get it, just yeah. see it then. Literally yeah. did not get, I think I bought the tickets in say November. I didn't actually find a free weekend till about May. That is insane. Yeah, six months after. Because literally, like, clearly those 15,000 people ahead of me in the queue got all the all the weekends and went by the time I got through. Yeah, literally. Oh, it that was is insane. Um, how was it, though? I haven't seen it yet, which is terrible because I live in the state. But how was it? Well, I don't blame you if you can't see it because I'm pretty sure it was like a sold-out crowd. And mm. this is May and this has been staged for a while, mind you. So it's not like something you can just get tickets willy-nilly to, yeah. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Um, it was amazing, like the way they've produced it for the stage and the way mm. they created those magical elements was just incredible. Like half the time you're like, how did they do that? But what? <laughs> like it is just stunning the way they've staged it. The characterizations were just brilliant. And I'm, I'm not going to give spoilers just because they're like, you really want to keep the magic and what happens in there. Yeah. Because they literally have a thing called keep the secrets and they give you out badges going, just don't talk about it. So <laughs> um, I won't talk no, about your this. badge. <laughs> Earning my badge. But the way they've done it is really great. And when you kind of read this, the screenplay, script play, the script play, mm. it doesn't show like how they brought it to life, especially because some of those characters, they've just characterized in a way that you're like, oh, I was not expecting that mm. at all. So yeah. yeah, it's a long play, but you don't feel the time pass at all. I did them both. Because there's two acts. I did both on the Sunday. So overall, that was about five hours in the theatre. But you don't feel it. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, you don't feel yeah. it. Um, but it is <laughs> really, it, it's worth it. Like if you are heading down there, like plan in advance and try and get some tickets because it really yeah. is great. Like we went and the whole crowd, everyone was wearing Harry Potter scarves. Oh, they totally do. Yeah. And it's just yeah. like, oh, my God, it's been like. You know, we're into like month six and people are still wearing these scarves. Oh it's, my god, it's, it's literally so cute. yeah. It's um, I forget it often because they often have the well, the first matinee kind of show mm. which gets out at about five ish o'clock. Yeah, and sometimes and it's in Spring Street, so it's like right like just pretty much in the city. And sometimes when I'm walking into town on the weekend or doing something, I forget that it's on until I'm just like 
bombarded with this like stampede of Harry Potter fans who have just finished it. And it's just for that moment you're like just like, wait, where am I? Why what are what are all these costumes? These are amazing. What's going on? And mm. it's like, oh it's Harry Potter. Again, why are you surprised every time this happens? It happens to you every single weekend. This is insane. But yeah, you often see like just people with the biggest smiles on their face. Oh, totally. About we it. came so, out wanting yeah. to do like sidekicks because we were like so happy and high kicks. Oh, it was just yay. like it is such a amazing how they've done it and yeah. I'm just so glad Australia got a chance to see it because I was yeah. like, oh, at this rate, it's never going to come. And then it did and it's like, oh, casting is perfection in it. Well, and, and that's the thing. It's so excited to be like when the excitements happen and you get excited for it because bad segue alert, something that I was not excited about. <laughs> I love this. Usually I'm in charge of the bad segues. No, I was like, this is a good point to be like, how disappointing was the finale of Game of Thrones? Oh, my goodness. I literally. <laughs> Spoiler alert if you haven't seen it. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, that's very smart. Um. It was literally a thing where this whole season, I have thought that Bran was the most pointless character, like not (laughs) helpful in any way, shape, sense or form. Like what is the point of being able to travel in time and find stuff out if you were never going to articulate what you discovered? No, you just be emo in the corner and just stare at people and make them feel very uncomfortable. Yeah. Bran would be the per- like the worst person to take to a brunch where everyone's <laughs> gossiping because Bran would just literally sit there, not add anything, and then just sit there going, I'm not Bran, I'm the three-eye raven, which, FYI, so spoiler alert, this whole the whole show is this thing about the Game of Thrones and this fight to be on the throne and, you know, the like all the different plays it has to get so that people can be on the throne. Mm. And somehow... Bran ends up at the end of it as the king of the six seasons, six seasons, six kingdoms, because his own sister Sansa is like, ah, 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 I know you're my brother, but the North is going to stay well out of this. We're like, we we're becoming independent. Like, ah, ah, ah. Like, it was Sansa knew, Sansa knew. But I mean, like, seriously, Bran. Ugh. I mean, again, it was like, oh, this is like this whole season has just been three seasons in one and it's just so yeah. much is sacrificed because that moment it was like, okay, A, it was weird because Tyrion was literally choosing who gets to execute him. Well, did you see? Slashy, I saw that. Slash Jon Snow that and I'm like, too. this is weird. Yeah, but there was a Reddit thread mm. that apparently, because I thought that too because like literally in the moments before Tyrion decides that Bran the Broken should be the new king, mm. is committed treason against the Queen is pretty much at that stage who was Daenerys, who's like, I no longer want to be your hand, throws the badge down the stairs, mm. is like locked up as a prisoner and then we're assuming like time goes by, he's been locked up this whole time and then Tyrion is presented to this council um, and then everyone's like, oh, Tyrion, who do you think should be king? And then Tyrion's like, Bran should be king. And then it all goes with that. Because I was like, how do you let a prisoner decide who the future it's, king will be? This this show has literally made no sense. It's just but then bizarre. There was, this, there was this Reddit thread that came out mm. that was like, technically, Cersei was the queen. Mm. Um, then she obviously died. Daenerys became the queen. And then... Jon Snow, other spoiler alert, Jon Snow kills her. Jon Snow wanted, like, technically had the birthright to be 
the king but didn't want it. So someone was saying that in terms of blood, the next person who was in line for the throne was in fact Tyrion Lannister. So Interesting. So that's why they let him pick the next king because technically <laughs> he was the ruling king at that time. Was he though? Or was he still like acting hand in place of the king like? Well, this is like like a region. Yeah, I don't know if <laughs> like just... the king who committed treason could then technically be the king for all of it to happen. I but know. apparently there was this moment where Grey Worm told Jon Snow to keep his mouth shut, like when oh was it like when Jon Snow went to go visit Tyrion, or like maybe Tyrion said something and something like I don't know how Grey Worm would have been the person who was like wait I've uncovered this all and figured it all out, but yeah. So then it it would have been, but this is what I liked about this Reddit theory is that if Tyrion Lannister was indeed the true king of the Six Kingdoms, well by that stage the Seven Kingdoms, um, because of the bloodline, he's still technically married to Sansa. So Sansa's the Queen of the North, which then would make him, like, if he did want to be the king, like the king of the but Six their, Kingdoms. their marriage and- was annulled because they never consummated it. Well, I'm sure that maybe they could get, get it back in. Oh, well, let's be honest. They then let Bran be their king, so I don't oh. think that they're going to worry about annulments right now. Like, well, would have been like, the technicalities. Well, there was that. So Tyrion prisoner choosing the king. Mm. Second aspect, Sansa's like, uh, no, North's going to be independent. Yeah. Yeah, so you guys deal with that, but um, we're being independent. And everyone's cool with that. And it's like, wait, wait a second. If you want to be independent, what say you, like, Dawn doesn't want to become independent because they've been wanting to become independent for ages. The Ironborn have been wanting to become independent for so long. Eerie, maybe not. Some of the more, like, mainland people, maybe not. But all the ones who were, like, islander-ish or way up north have been wanting to become independent. How are they not, like, cracking a stink (laughs) and not wanting to be independent as well? Well, because they already voted in favour of Bran. They didn't think it through. It's not like they could take it back afterwards. That's probably why Sansa oh. went last because they were like, oh, wait, that's a really good idea. Oh, so maybe. And, but this, this is Game again, of Thrones. Like, Politics how- is their game. Of course they could have taken it yeah. back on. Hang on a sec. <laughs> like, yeah, like we're gonna But this is like, I think that this is like, it comes to the crux of why this finale of Game of Thrones has been so upsetting is because you have all these fans who are so, so, so invested that when things like that happen, you just go, no, that didn't tie up a plot point. Like generally what happens at the end or if a finale, if it's good or if it feels like, you know, like satisfying is it weaves in and it ties up all the plot ends so you know the full story. What's happened with Game of Thrones? It feels like it throws out more questions because it's like, oh, we forgot everything else that we told you all throughout it. Mm. Like. Another moment that really annoyed me in the finale, and I don't know why it annoyed me so much, is when Aya was just like, uh, what's west of Westeros? I know. I was just like, no one knows, so I'm going to go discover it. Apparently like, she again, did, she did we'll, say that in an earlier season. This is the thing. is like Bran is the three-eyed raven. <laughs> he could have told why her. Why can't he go figure it out and then go tell her? Like she doesn't have to go to sea to do this. And then that stupid moment where obviously um, – 
after Daenerys is killed, Drogon, her dragon, gets very upset, like literally burns the Iron Throne with his fire, which I like to think was his own little protest to be like, well, if she can't be on the throne, no one can, and this throne is Same. That so was a very famous. nice touch, but I was just like, why the hell aren't you killing the person who killed your mum? Oh, no. Well, this is like, the thing. I don't care. Like, yeah. like, just because you got yeah. Targaryen blood, don't mean you can't burn him to crisp because you have yeah. no trouble doing that. that was <laughs> ever. Like his, that was like Drogon's little protest. But I do. So then Drogon, like, picks up Daenerys in his little claw and just flies off into the ether mm. of wherever. But then, like, one of the last things that Bran says, which just goes to show how terrible he's going to be at, as king, is that they have their first, like, you know, king work out the meeting and mm. you know the, the person who looks after the coin like the army person like Tyrion's there because he's still the hand to the king like where are they having their first like who are we going to be as like our kingdoms how are we going to rule rah, rah, rah. and then someone says oh does anyone know where Drogon is and then Bran's like I'll go find him like because he's going to go walk off and do whatever but you're just like Bran like you've got so many more problems right now like <laughs> you King's think- Landing like lots of people freaking died you've still got all this other stuff like is this the most important thing that you have to deal with like ugh, honestly well that was the other thing that really like annoyed me like you kind of come in post like decimation of the bells and yep. it was like, okay, we're walking through the ruins, yep. But somehow all of Daenerys' army is very intact, super ah. intact, as in pre-Battle yep. of Winterfell intact. I was like, where did all these Dothraki come from? Like, I, know, I, I thought, thought you all yeah. died. And then it was like, unsullied. I thought your forces were half. That is a very full army. And then you just go, I understand why Sansa was so concerned as to how she would feed everyone when they got to the north. Because if she still had that stronger army, considering the Battle of Winterfell and every other fight, it's like, how many did you have to begin with? And I also thought that the Dothraki, like in the Battle of Winterfell, they were the first ones who kind of surged forward. Well, that was and- why she got upset and like, yeah. like ditched like the the plan that they had and went to save them because they were like, they are my yeah. children. It's like, yeah. and it was like, all right, about five of them survived. Cool, cool, cool. No, apparently yeah. a good like whole horde of them <laughs> survived. Yeah. So that was, was very odd. The other thing. Oh, just a quick note on the Dothraki. Mm. I was a little bit confused because some of the Dothraki, their hair was still not that long. And I was like, you fought a lot of battles. It's because isn't the whole thing of the Dothraki is like if they lose a battle, they get to cut off the other person's hair. So presumably the Dothraki. Well, yeah, but presumably the Dothraki who are left at this stage should have the longest hair in the world. And <laughs> they're to their shoulders. That's all I'm going to say on that point. Oh, it was just, yeah. But then that gets resolved really quickly when John kills her, Daenerys, that yeah. is. And it was like, oh, we're like 10 minutes in the episode. Really? Yeah. That's all she gets? Yeah. Like, she gets yeah. 10 minutes of the finale? Are you yeah. kidding me? And yeah. And then time jump except no one knows how long time has gone and suddenly you're in front of that council um, and she's dead and it's like, okay, uh, we don't know how the city's been rebuilt because literally there's been no ruler all this time so one would assume chaos has ensued. Um, You have like Wild Unsullied and Dothraki running around. Uh, None of that gets resolved either of what they've Mm. been doing for the past however months. And it's just like, you know, post-war, shit gets even worse for a while. And none of that is addressed. It's just new rulers picked and everything's dandy. It's like, it doesn't work that way. You literally established that in the past seven seasons. 
Yeah, and the thing is too is like if they put in a line of text that is like something like the Dothraki and Unsullied were like, yes, the Daenerys was kind of going crazy, so now we understand that everything that's happened happened for a reason and this mm. is why everything is so peaceful now. But instead they're like, well, no, Jon Snow has to be banished because the Dothraki and Unsullied are still very mad that he killed their queen. So, so where have like, they been? It's, it's, it's those two levels. It was like they can't exist at the same time. And then at the same time too... Then at the end, Grey Worm's like, yeah, we're sailing far, far away from here. But then they're banishing John. So why doesn't they just go, okay, Grey Worm's left and he's the one who really wants you to die and the happy truth that we've got is that we're going to mm. banish you back to the Night's Watch. So why doesn't John just go, okay, cool. Well, the person who really wants me dead is very, very far away. I'm just going to chill here. But he's not going to know. Like, it's not as if they've got cameras or, like, CCTV footage. There's, like, security surveillance that's going to make sure that Jon Snow actually went out there. It just, yeah, made no sense. Well, it was also like, okay, so what happened to keep Jon Snow alive right after he killed Daenerys? Yeah. How fast was that bloody crow? Like, we don't get to see any of that and somehow yeah. the North has suddenly gone, no, don't kill him, hold him prisoner. It's like, how about, sorry, what? Yeah, no. Exactly. <laughs> they would not. It's just, yeah. And that's what I think was so upsetting. And then George R. Martin, I did like that he reacted to the finale, mm. which was pretty much like, a, I'm going to finish reading the books and then people are going to read the books and then they're going to complain about it on the internet. So <laughs> I think that, that was kind of his way of saying, like, you just can't please fans all the time. No. But again, but he was like, uh, also, I have two more books to release and it's going to yeah. be a very different journey to that finale. And it's like, yeah, yeah it will be because you have – the ability to move these characters in a way where the series could not because they were just trying to finish as fast yeah. as possible. So Yeah, you're actually going to explain it. And I think that that's mm. what was difficult for the fans is because at least in the earlier seasons where the fans had read the books is maybe you didn't need as much plot because the fans actually knew what the plot was in behind the scenes. So like maybe there were moments where someone got to somewhere that if you hadn't read the books, you might be a little bit confused, but someone would go, oh yeah, well I've read the books because people who've read the books quickly I, tell you. Well, this is it. I read the books after the series that. came out. So yeah. I started probably reading the books after the Red Wedding. Yeah. And it was like, it was very similar, the route they took, and it wasn't oh. like you weren't missing out on much. It was more just <laughs> more funny about the reaction of um, when the Red Wedding happened and everyone was like, you know, minds blown, and all the book readers were like, <laughs> that was us 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you know, it wasn't too yeah. different because there was yeah. still that flow and yeah, and George R. was still like kind of, he was still writing scripts for them as well, so you yeah. still kind of got it's that vibe. So, but hey, it's done now. There are prequels in the making or prequel pilots in the making. The creators, they are going to be working on Star Wars next. So who knows what's going to happen. So just a final question about Mm. Game of Thrones. Who do you think won the Game of Thrones? Who do I think won? Sansa, all the way. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so do I. Like, well, just because her bid for independence at the end. But she did pretty well because, like, let's be honest. She learned from the best in terms of how to rule and how to keep her power. Yes, yeah. But she was also raised by two very good people and so she still had her moral compass amongst all yeah. of that. Yeah, so it was all good. Yeah, no, I think I agree. I think that, like, in terms of who won the Game of Thrones, I'm going to say with Sansa. I also vote that Tyrion Lannister... <laughs> 
consider that he gave some pretty shit advice for the past <laughs> like, two The fact that he is still alive and then did get to decide who the new king was and then continue to get to be the head of the king. Like, yes, he's not a ruler in the sense that he's sitting on any sort of throne, but the fact that he is still around and has been given a he job. He got the second like, highest seat of power. Exactly. Like, well done to you, Tyrion Lannister. I also love that the, the, the stupid finale, it's like, well, his penance for, like, the terrible advice he has given and, like, the many people that he was, like, in part of, like, well, not directly slaughtered, but, you know, he got it to the point where it did get slaughtered. He's like, his penance is that he will have to be the hand to the king. And it's like, so you're giving him a very powerful role? Like... You do you. Like, sure. Sure. I mean, this king doesn't have crazy dragons. Everything's dandy. <laughs> he just goes and walks out every so often just and you can't, out. like, doesn't actually say more than five words at any given one time. No. I'm not, I'm going now. Suddenly <laughs> just like, <laughs> eyes roll back. It's like, oh, here we go. Like, right it's on. just even so stupid, do, like, Brand you accept this. Why do you think I'm here? Like, well, why like, are you here, Brand? Why are you here? Well, why are you here? Right after you said, I don't want to be king. Oh, also, like, the whole freaking season where it's just like, I'm not Bran. I'm the three-eyed raven. I'm the three-eyed raven. I'm the three-eyed raven. Oh, yep, yep, now I'm Bran Stark. Yeah, okay, you want me to be king? Yeah, I'm cool with that. Like, <laughs> ugh, stupid. He's so stupid. <sighs> Look, hopefully once the books come out, um, we'll have a bit more filler in what yes. we were missing in these this last in season. what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. But Where, the, what happened within all those time jumps that we clearly missed out on? Exactly, exactly. Um, but, yeah, the petitions have been written. I love a good fan petition. I think that we should have a segment on Gaggle of Geeks, which is just essentially what petition are the fans writing because they are unhappy about something. Like, Always. Let's be honest, I would very gladly sign the Game of Thrones petition. Really? But, would well, you? just in the sense that, like, do better. Like, do it again. Wait, let's just do a do-over. Um, I mean, because, like, I'm so cautious about this. They did it with Star Wars as well with, like, Ryan Johnson's one and, yeah. like, the fans like, that's not mine. Like, and they just couldn't overlook that. I think the that. thing is, is that you only get to, like, okay, so this is my rules for a petition even though I've got no power to. <laughs> is that you can only sign one fan petition right. a year. No, no, a year seems too many. Maybe every three years, Ooh. one petition. Because the other news that happened is that the, Robert Pattinson is the running to, in the running to be the next Batman. Mm. The petitions have already started because obviously there's like – Robert Pattinson has done a lot of things since Twilight, but once you become a sparkly vampire, it kind of like puts a shadow over anything else you do. So people are like, how is a bat vampire going to play a bat, like a sparkly vampire in Twilight? Okay. Play that? So I what think that they mean Robert for that reason. But what are vampires based off in mythology? Like what creature are the most <laughs> associated with in mythology? It is the bat. <laughs> like, anything, legit. It works out perfectly but so still perfect. i think i think the problem was is that he was a shiny vampire if he was a more of a like i don't know like a dracula vampire maybe he could have made the transition to i don't no, i don't know i think but it's because he is I, too pretty and people don't deal with a pretty batman they want well, grit in their batman because they've been kind of they always have in a way because they're like yeah, they've been conditioned a bit now that they need yeah. real gritty and dark Batman. Yeah. And it's well, like... Is, yeah. But this is the thing, is that, like, 
there are so many different like my version of who my perfect like Batman would be would be different to your version would be mm. different to someone else's version like you cannot cast one person who everyone is going to love which is why going back to the petitions I think that if you're going to sign a fan petition you can't just sign it every time someone gets cast in a role that you don't like because the reality is is like that's going to happen to so many people and like you were saying off air like when Michael Keaton was cast, there was a petition to be like, Michael Keaton's going to be a crap Batman. When Heath Ledger was for the Joker, Heath mm. Ledger, he can't be the Joker. Petition, petition, petition. So there's always going to be a petition. Like, And yes, I say that it's a good way for fans to let people know what they're feeling, to feel counted and like I'm not trying to quiet their voice, she says, while telling them, <laughs> you can only sign a petition every three years. But I feel at the same time, like, you can't just put a petition out about everything. Like, Give them a chance first. I feel like, like this I is happening yeah. all the time now. It's like I'm not happy. Yeah. Petition. petition. I'm not happy. Petition. Yeah. Petition. And this yeah. and they this it's this weird ownership of the creation that they didn't create. Yeah. yeah. But it isn't yours. The whole point you go to see these is to be surprised by these stories yeah. and by the people who play these characters in these yeah. stories. And then they're just like, nah, but it's not my story that I had in my head. And it's like, but you didn't create the story. But, like, here's an idea. And this is why I say that, like, maybe if I, like, my petition that I would mm. sign, my, like, once <laughs> once every three-year petition would be about the Game of Thrones thing. Yeah. But that's because I have seen the final product and I'm mm. not happy about it. I think there's a difference between going, there's a potential that Robert Pattinson going to be the next Batman and then people are writing petitions to say we don't want that to happen. Like, give it a chance first. Actually see him in it. And if he is terrible, then go for it. Make that petition your one petition that you sign. But to petition something before that you've even seen it, like you were saying, like, give it a chance first. Like, let's see what's going to happen and then you can get angry as opposed to discounting it from the start because, you know, with the Heath Ledger and the Michael Keaton, these people can surprise you because I don't know they are actors that is literally their job to become the embodiment of the character and the story so of course they like yeah I mean it's since Twilight not that anyone like it's probably not their key market but like Robert Pattinson has been working steadily in independent films exactly building up his repertoire there and it's just like uh, why couldn't he play complex characters that is dark? Because that's what he's been pretty much doing for a while. You just probably yeah. don't watch them because they're not mainstream enough. But then the thing is too is like he has been doing like more indie work, mm. which is probably like him being aware that he needs to build his cred back up in the eyes of, you know, the movie film elite who would mm. discount him for being in Twilight. But when you consider it like – what for whatever Twilight was, it was this huge blockbuster. So like, and they Robert dismiss Pattinson it because knows what it's to be like to be in this huge blockbuster. Yeah. So like, seriously, honestly, and they also dismiss Twilight because it was liked by teenage girls. Yeah, exactly. And the ones who are making most of these petitions are angry men. A lot of them. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> if anything, they were probably jealous of Robert Pattinson in his Twilight heyday. Mm. And now this is their comeuppance to be like, no, Robert Pattinson, I will deny you. I mean, a lot of people were pretty sceptical about Batfleck as well. And yeah. he surprised yeah. them with his crossfit sequence. So, you know. <laughs> it's, yeah. You it's just, just never like, know. Uh, yeah. Just watch it first. Not so, Yeah. Just watch it first and then have opinions as opposed to like, this is, 
not right. We're going to petition everything. But yeah, there needs to be less petitions. Petitions be cry. <laughs> I'm so confused. You like petitions, but you hate them at the same time. I do. I'm very confused about them. I, I was like, I like petitions, but I feel like some people like just the, it's their first thing when they get angry is to put out a petition. Well, it's like no, give it a chance first. Um, so Sonic, um, the Hedgehog, the trailer came out, and yeah. people. I don't think there was a petition, but there was a lot of outcry on socials. And when the trailer came out, going, "Oh my god, he looks so wrong." Why yeah. is his leg so human-like? Like, this is all wrong, wrong, wrong for the style. And literally yeah. the studio got back to them and was like, we've heard and we've listened. We're going to go back and redesign him. See, but that's the thing. It's like they created it first. Mm. Like, they made it, they put it out there. Then that's – I think, like, maybe that's my issue. My issue is, like, when it still hasn't been – anything finalized or when it ha- you haven't seen any like representation of what that person is going to be like or what that character is going to be like mm. and you're already petitioning it because essentially what you're petitioning is is your idea of that person playing that role as opposed to them actually doing it or that that actual character so I think that that's where the two different lines are. Look, I'm very confused with my petitioning. <laughs> I am very aware of that. I'm just like there needs to be maybe more concerned petitioning you just can't put a petition up for everything Uh, unless it's valid (laughs) and who decides the validity me (laughs) it runs past me who is the new petitioner person of the i don't know (laughs) like game of thrones with petitions is i just sit on an iron throne and i was like no to that petition yes to that petition no to that petition well, Tali, let's move on yeah. from petitions because right. when we were kind of off, air, like offline for a while, a new Star yep. Wars trailer came out, and it was revealed that the new Star Wars film called Rise of Skywalker. Now, new photos have emerged, and guess who they were photographed by? Oh, I I have seen the photos. They. Like, if you can get photos taken at any stage in your life about anything that you are doing, you are going to want to get the photos taken by this woman. Annie Leibowitz, there is a great Vanity Fair article where you can see the photos that she's taken and there's, like, um, even a little video that you can see, like, which she talks through her process. And they are amazing They are truly beautiful. I don't know a lot about photos, so when I say that the juxtaposition is just really working for me, Mm. there's a part where I'm probably using juxtaposition wrong. But how she so effortlessly blends, obviously, the Star Wars world with the behind the scenes of the making of the Star Wars world, it's just, yeah, the photos are just incredible. Like, they're all so powerful. It's just amazing. It truly is amazing. Yeah, and... The gorgeous thing about this new series, like this new trilogy of Star Wars, which is finishing up with this one, Rise of Skywalker, is they're kind of going back to the way the original series was kind of done. So, like, they're back in a desert. This time they're in Jordan. You know, they're kind of blending that whole thing instead of just being all green screen. The way she captures the desert and the way the light hits it, along with the characters put in these positions and then just add a few more, like, you know, trinkets of sci-fi into it. It's just... How? What? Ah, It is art. 
there, there, it really, really is. There's this amazing photo of Kerry Russell mm. um, as Zori Bliss, and she's. It's like this side profile. It's quite dark, but there's like that. This is and this is what you were talking about before in the terms of the desert, and like the aridness of the desert, mm. the beautiness of the desert. But then you've got like this just very technical, not technical. Like how do you describe it? It's just like the two, like the future and the past coming together, and that's what very much is happening in this photo of Kerry. Russell because it's like the old sandstone-ish looking background but it's not like sandstone in that colour it's like a like a real charcoal dark mm. and then she's there in standing in profile on the stairs and in the maroons and the gold it's like there is so much happening in that one photo oh. that you just go it takes an eye like Annie Leibovitz to be able to capture that and yet tell a story so beautifully with her photos like well her, this is what I mean yeah. if you're going to get any photographer onto set to take some photos and you've got Annie Leibovitz on speed dial you would absolutely be calling her every second of the day well the other thing about Kerry Russell's outfit it was like it was also quite reflective mm, so it just yeah. kind of captured that entirely as well and I was like oh yeah. my gosh I've never seen yeah. this a sci-fi franchise kind of treated in this way that yeah. is so stylized and artistic it's just yeah stunning. and it's also too like there's a certain i don't know like the funniness of having like the star wars characters mm. interacting so obviously with just humans mm. like just very obvious humans that if they were in like the movie you'd be like what's that human doing there it's like it's weird because obviously it's on the star wars set but it's the humans that look out of place like mm. it's, it's it's really, yeah, it's really quite amazing, the work that she has done. It's, yeah, beautiful. But I also do very much like the um, the C-3PO, like, wait. C-3PO? No, yeah, C-3PO. I was like, I said it, and I was like, no, I've got that in wrong order. Um, but obviously, like, with an umbrella and then being, like, that, like, sweat patted down or shined up <laughs> and it's just like oh yeah you are in a desert <laughs> you are in like a yeah better you are moving heating in that outfit yeah no doubt but yeah i just do appreciate because take it out of context he just looks like he's on a beach <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> like just having a gay old time on holidays is all going so well Look, everyone has their off days and, you know, yeah. to chill and relax and maybe he just likes sitting in the desert with an umbrella. <laughs> just living his best life, doing what he can. We support uh, it. We support it. Um, well, it seems, it. segueing out of that, it seems to be the hour of Keanu Reeves at the moment. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Well, he's got, the latest John Wick film just came yeah. out. Um, but he's also been revealed he's going to be in the new Toy Story 4 oh, film. Oh my god! I like his character. What is it? Duke Kaboom. Duke some, Kaboom. He yeah. is a Canadian daredevil. That yeah. is a toy. Um, and yeah, it's, it appears that he's giving Woody some rides on his motorcycle. <laughs> what I really loved in the little like snippet that they had introducing Duke Kaboom. It's very much of the nineties. Well, I guess in some parts of still today, where it's a massive feat that people will lose their mind in that kind of evil Knievel style mm. of a hey, I'm a guy on a motorbike wearing a cape and I'm gonna try and jump over like these five cars and mm. everyone's like, Why? And it's like, Cause I can and there's a chance I'll die. Well don't do it, but I'm gonna and so 
I just really liked in the trailer, they had, obviously, because at the end of the day, these are all toys and very popular toys, so you could see the ad in which Duke Kaboom was sold to be like, he can do anything, he is amazing, watch him go, fly everything. And then there's the thing of the, in real life where it's just like you look at this. I don't know why, but it just really, really cracked me up as the character of Duke Kaboom to be like, it's actually really far. Like, that's very far to go. And you're like, yes. Because you're a toy. <laughs> Keanu Reeves, he is really having a moment at the oh, moment. Like, isn't he just? He's just like, his staying power is incredible, though. And I also love, just he's as a, a separate to, like, let me Keanu Reeves fangirl. Yeah. Um, that. He also just seems like a really nice person oh and I God. always like every time someone's on Twitter telling their Keanu Reeves story where they were just like, yeah, he came in and watched a movie and then he signed stuff for me and then we talked or like just him on the tram giving up his seat for people and he does this as a celebrity who is seemingly unaware of his celebrity so it's not mm. like he does it so that people will take a picture and be like, Keanu Reeves is a good person. Like I genuinely, genuinely believe that Keanu Reeves is a good person so that's why every time it's just like these delightful stories come up. I'm like, yes, well, I will like, engage in that. Every time he has a new publicity run, all these stories just come bursting back up yeah. to the brim. And it's, there's just so many, darling. There are and so that's the many. Thing is because there are so many, it just goes to speak to how genuine he is. Mm. So it's not like a, but the, like the stories that people tell, like, and it is as simple as like a movie clerk who like Keanu Reeves comes to see a movie and he's like, I will put you in in my staff discount on the hope that you're going to like sign a piece of paper that lets it happen. And Keanu Reeves is like, I don't need a staff discount but so then Keanu Reeves walks away and realized what it was was this like teenage fan at the movies just wanted his autograph so what he did in this story that I read is Keanu Reeves went and bought an ice cream so he could get a receipt signs the back of the receipt goes back up to the kid and goes hey I realized what you actually wanted was my autograph so here it is and then because he never wanted the ice cream he He just threw it away away. (laughs) and it's like there are so many things to do that because Keanu Mm. Reeves could have just gone up to someone and said hey can I borrow some paper and everyone would have been like you're Keanu Reeves you can do whatever you want Mm. but it's that idea that he doesn't do any of that he's just like yeah I'll buy an ice cream like I don't want it but sure if he gets his kid happy because he gets my autograph I'll do it exactly and then inevitably the person who sells Keanu the ice cream is like oh my god I saw Keanu Reeves (laughs) an ice cream and he was so lovely he probably asked me about my day and he like let me do this like there's just so many levels where you just go that's a nice person who didn't have to do that but has obviously left this lasting impact on Mm. that guy who will forever be a fan of Keanu Reeves for that reason so that's why I say like this inundation that it feels like we're having of Keanu Reeves because as you said he will like he's currently in the new John Wick he's going to be in Toy Story 4 um and then a new a movie next week on Netflix oh my god darling I'm so (laughs) excited for this oh my god you just my excitement so it is always be my movie is written and starring the amazing Ali Wong. Um, if you haven't seen her stand-ups on Netflix, please do. They are hilarious. Um, but this is like a rom-com. Yeah. Um, so she's a very successful chef um, but, and she's engaged, but the person who she's engaged with, played by Daniel Day Kim, decides mm, he's not ready to settle down. So she gets upset, kind of goes back to her hometown, where she runs to an ex-flame who's secretly been in love with her all this time. <laughs> Played by Randall Park. Classic rom-coming. I mean, like, so classic. And then 
before he can admit his feelings, she's like, I've met someone um, and he's amazing. And he's like, ah, ah, that someone is Keanu Reeves. And How he's supposed to compete with Keanu Reeves. I don't know, but Keanu's just so amazing. And he looks so wholesome that I kind of want her to end up with Keanu slightly or just be in a happy thruple because it's just, I don't know. He comes <laughs> out and it's just, well, this is me speaking from watching a three minute trailer, but there's this scene where like, they're like, you know, oh my God, you're so amazing. You're so amazing. I love you. I love your thumbs. Your thumbs are amazing. And it was just like, which then Twitter went crazy with because they were like, Twitter is a thirsty place. And everyone yeah, was having absolutely. thumbgasms from it. <laughs> it's Keanu. And this is like, like having watched Ali Wong's stand up and admittedly, like I just happened upon it on Netflix and there was something that piqued my interest in the sense that the first stand-up that I watched of her is the one where she's in, like, the animal print dress and she's very, very pregnant. Baby. Well, she's uh, pregnant in both, isn't she? Baby. Well, co- I feel like she's cobra. more pregnant when she's in the animal print dress. But this Was that is one in Baby too, Cobra? Like, she's so, like, hilariously irreverent. Mm. So she is very visibly knocked up. She has, like, a lot of sex jokes, a lot of just, like, she just always takes it. Like, it's like she's always on and not, like, 100% on but, mm. like, 700% on. Like, she's going to, like, push it for as far as it can and it's just so hilarious that, like, even watching the trailer, it's her jokes that are just her jokes mm. and her delivery. It's just all there. And I actually, like, even though it sits in, like, very comfortable rom com tropes of you know Mm. girl heartbroken old flame all that kind of stuff it actually looks really refreshing like it looks like it's not just going to be another dumb rom-com not and dumb in the sense like a very I don't know but it just looks like it's going to be smart and funny and you know if a trailer can already produce so many quotable lines like can you just imagine what the whole movie is going to be like there's just it's going to be a very, very funny affair. But it was just also like, oh, my God, she has these three amazing Asian men to choose from. And for yeah. anyone who says Keanu was, oh, my God, she's falling for the white guy, he is Asian. <laughs> Never forget that that man is also Asian. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just like, oh, my God, it's refreshing and it's going to be like probably like a dirtier version of Crazy Rich Asians without the rich part. Yeah. And it's like, yes, yeah. yes. We are here for this. We are absolutely here for this. And it's also too, it's like, again, in um, the sense of crazy rich Asians, is that it's putting up Asian men as being desirable, Mm. as being of who, like the objects of affection, which, you know, in popular rom-com history is like very rare, if not like maybe you could count on one hand just how many Asian males have had the lead in a romantic comedy. Mm. And now it seems we're getting so many more, which is a good thing. Like I often quote that the thing about like online dating is like the most undesirable people on these online dating sites are black women and Asian men. Mm. So it's not insignificant when you have an Asian male as a lead in a rom-com and it's not – as a tokenistic thing because like let's be honest they're freaking hot yeah. is that they're doing it like just looks wise yes but they're also delivering in funny content in all that other stuff too so substance. yeah I'm it is substance. very very excited for this movie oh i mean one leading man three leading men in that like come on yeah. 
<laughs> you have like this is the thing is like they've realized that they don't have a lot so as i was saying before like you can count on one hand so yeah. they're like nope we're gonna get three in with one movie and it's just gonna be like just like up the numbers all the time it's like not just one we need at least like minimum three if not we'll get further maybe 10 next time who knows <laughs> but it is just <sighs> It's, uh, yeah, I'm here and I'm ready for it. It comes out next week, doesn't it? Yeah, Is so that next, next week American time, so, so it might be a day later. So or? May 31st, it says. Yeah. So I'm assuming we can safely watch it next weekend. Okay, cool, 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 so, cool. The Netflix timings always like break my heart oh. because I see it and I get so excited and then it's the day of and I'm like, yeah, ready, ready, ready. And it's not nah. until later that I was like, why? This is American time. Yeah. I was like, I should have waited my anticipation for tomorrow. It's fine. I'll wait around. It's Whatever. Fine. Anyway, this weekend you'll have Killing Eve to finish. <gasps> is it finished? Is it's going to be finished. The season finale no, is this weekend. No, <laughs> So. so this is the thing. This is like one of the craziest things when you don't like um, binge watch a show is like you don't know when something's going to finish. So you <laughs> just go, yep, every week I watch the next episode and this will last forever. So I think I just was very happily in my world of nothingness to go that Killing Eve goes forever. But, yeah, it would no. be like six episodes this season. Uh, so. Eight, eight episodes. So, yeah. Oh, no. But you can watch it all again. Well, I guess I can, but it's just not the same. I like the excitement of seeing the next episode. Oh, look, that actually makes sense because given the last episode, like a lot of things happened mm. that it does seem like it's setting itself up for a finale. Okay, in hindsight, I probably should have picked up <laughs> Look, we never said Gale Geeks were that observant. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know. We're learning things We have the opinions, but we're not always so observant. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, now the more I think about it is that they set up a lot of things like the Nico storyline, the Eve, they're in Rome. Oh, yep. Okay, cool. Good talk, me. Excellent. (laughs) Well, you enjoy that, but I'm going to leave you on that note. But Tali, it's been wonderful speaking to you again. It has indeed with you as well, Sophie. This has been Gaggle of Geeks, your pop culture and geek culture podcast on 2SER. Um, you can find us on all good podcasting platforms. But till next time, bye. bye.